Quite soon after the COVID-19 pandemic first struck, a significant number of people began to complain of persistent symptoms in the aftermath of being infected with the new coronavirus. These manifestations have been dubbed long COVID and classically they include fatigue and tiredness, headaches, difficulty concentrating and also mood changes. What's less clear is the extent to which this is happening, not just to adults, but also to children, and in particular, teenagers. These are groups that tend to have very low risks of developing severe COVID infections. But as it turns out, they're nevertheless quite often succumbing, just like adults do, to long-term symptoms that last three months or more. Terence Stevenson is at the UCL Great Ormond Street Institute of Child Health. We approached 50,000 teenagers who'd been tested in January, February, March of this year and asked them if they'd help us with this study. Roughly 3,500 young people who tested positive said they would and around 3,500 young people who tested negative said they would. Why are you interested in the people who tested negative? We're very interested in people who tested negative because there's been 17 or 18 other studies published of long COVID in young people, only two of which had what we call a control group. A control group is a group of comparable people who you can use, if you like, as a baseline. So we know that teenagers have lived through a pandemic. They've seen relatives die. They've had uh, school closure. They've not seen friends. They've had exams interrupted. So we know they've lived through a very tough time. And therefore, we wouldn't be that surprised if they were experiencing some problems like headache, tiredness, fatigue. So we need that group to compare to with the people who tested positive to see what's the extra burden that comes from having had this coronavirus. And what sorts of things did they say that uh, manifested and in what sorts of numbers? Tiredness, headache, uh, shortness of breath and loss of smell and taste. Where it gets interesting is if you ask about did you have three symptoms or five symptoms, multiple symptoms, then that was twice as common in those who tested positive three months before than in those who tested negative. And what fraction were actually saying that at three months they still felt like that? At most, it's one in seven or something like 32,000 people out of the quarter of a million teenagers who tested positive between September 2020 and March 2021. You've looked at the three-month time point. Do you have any inkling into what would happen were you to follow up a bit later on? Is this something these people are going to be stuck with or do you think they're going to be getting better? We don't know that yet, but fortunately the National Institute of Health Research and United Kingdom Research and Innovation funded us to follow these young people, not just three months post-test, but six months post-test, 12 months post-test, and 24 months post-test. So that was the, the basis for that was to try and answer that very question. What's the trajectory? What proportion get better? What proportion does it persist over a longer period of time? We'll have to get you back to tell us subsequently, won't we? But how do you think this differs? If, if you were to have done this analysis after a bad flu year compared to a pandemic with coronavirus, do you think you'd have seen a difference? Yes, I do. So... Pre-pandemic, paediatricians recognised that some children, particularly teenagers, can take a long time to recover from some viral infections. The two classic ones are glandular fever and hepatitis, which can be caused by a whole clutch of of, uh, viruses. And in both of those, a small proportion of teenagers can take months to recover to get back to the energy levels and and how well they felt before they were infected and months to go back to school. 
but it's a small proportion. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be anywhere near the figures we've been seeing during the coronavirus pandemic. Which suggests there's something a little bit different about what's going on with with the SARS-CoV-2 infections we're seeing, doesn't it? So do you have, and I know that you're doing an epidemiological study, but do you have any insights into what might account for this? Frankly, to date, nobody's really come up with a a, a problem with the immune system, antibodies or inflammation or residual virus. These have all been put forward as possibilities. Nobody's really come up in adults or children with a convincing explanation. And therefore, one of the really important things about our study that makes it a a landmark study, very robust, largest study to date in the world, is we had that negative control group, that group of young people who'd lived through a pandemic but never been infected with the coronavirus. And without that, frankly, our results would have been pretty uninterpretable. And I think it makes many, much of the other research very difficult to interpret. Well, we very much look forward to hearing what their next follow-up shows. That was Terence Stevenson.